by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow, a weekly webcomic, features absurdist humor and seriously silly amusement key to the sophisticated palette of discerning listeners like you. Since migrating online in 2003, Is This Tomorrow has always been absolutely free, with no annoying advertising or paywalls. Visit isthistomorrow.com. You'll find hours of archived entertainment, hundreds of comics to distract from work, responsibilities, or just the existential pain of being alive. Dig through the archive for special Halloween comics, autobiographical strips, and even some in Anaglyph 3D. Also check out our Society6 merch page for lots of Is This Tomorrow swag. Society6 forward slash Is This Tomorrow. New strip every Monday, now in color. IsThisTomorrow.com Here we are. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we are talking the Rolling Stones today, and we got a special guest That's who is... Steve Grothman of... Uh... Hello. There you go. What's up, guys? How you doing, Steve? So his name, your name is pronounced uh, uh, Grothman. I, was, yeah, like I wasn't it. sure if it was Grothman. So it basically sounds like your name is Grothman and, and uh, with a lisp. Right. <laughs> is that correct? Grossman, yeah, like both men. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and Steve is a musician. Yeah, he is. Like and, us. That's right. And I first met Steve in uh, Tallahassee, Florida in the late 1980s when we were both part of the music scene there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a great, a great place and time for music. Yeah. Um, Barry, you were in a number of notable cool bands back then. Yep. Can we mention those? Sure. Flag Day. Flag Day. Bone Ranger. Bone Ranger. <laughs> yes. I've heard Remember, snippets Grecian of all these Formula bands 69. now. Grecian Formula 69. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. One day, one day, the episode, we're going to do a Barry Stock retrospective <laughs> yeah, yeah, of, of all his bands. A lot of angry people calling up. <laughs> yeah. So, so Steve... So, Steve, you played, uh, like, uh, what what bands uh, were you in? Or did you play? The bands? Yeah. Well, give, us, going, give us your, give, well, give us an outline. Well, um, as your ad noted, you know, as <laughs> yeah. the ad noted there, I was in Whiskey Town back, let's see, well, I'll go back. Started in Tallahassee with Barry in that fertile scene. I was in a band called, <laughs> get ready, Begs and Aiken. Begs and Aiken. <laughs> with Charlotte. Yeah. You guys, you guys had the cleverest names, those Tallahassee bands, man. Yeah. And, th- you know, that name actually lived on because the Flaming Lips have a song called Begs Naked, and they took that from us. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, um, they, uh, they stayed at our house at least once. Uh, my okay. roommate, you know, with them and worked with them for a while. So, they're friend of Barry's also. Ron. Oh, right. Yeah. He's, Ron Berman has come up on the podcast. Yeah, but due to his infamy. Yeah, <laughs> he has come up already. Oh yeah, that story's been told. We got to get him on the podcast so we can <laughs> lambast him in, you know, uh, for the yeah. for the for our audience. So yeah, right, um, right, right. yeah so you played um, Whiskey Town, which is yeah. cool, and you still playing now? You still doing music? 
Oh yeah, I'm still playing. Then I moved. I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I am now. In the early '90s, after a time in New Orleans, and um, I played in a bunch of groups. WhiskeyCon was one of them. I was in, uh, you know, the first version one for two years or so, right up until the major label signing. And then my main band, what I consider, um, you know, the main band that I, I had over the years, which isn't functioning that much now, is uh, what's called the Countdown Quartet. And we did a we did a, a mix of, like, R&B and jazz, if you will, sort of New Orleans fun type of uh, party music and jazz originals, too. Um, yeah, it's about three records it's of cool originals, stuff. basically. Yeah, you heard some of that? I did. I checked it out. I was stalking you a little on Facebook, <laughs> and I saw the uh, the yeah. band, so I did actually check out some videos, and yeah, it's it's really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was my main um, longtime band, and now I've got a a rock band, um, rock project. I don't know where I'm playing guitar. It's like the first thing I've done guitar exclusively right. in. Okay. Oh, Clear Spot. So Clear Spot after, after the after the Captain Beefheart song. Exactly after that album, yep. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. Always come, Captain. Captain Beefheart. He's gonna. We're gonna do Captain a Captain Beefheart, Beefheart record. You gotta do. Maybe we'll okay, do Clear God, Spot. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't already. You know, there's well, a you lot know, of these guests keep picking weird records to do. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, now, so let's get let's get down to it. You you picked a Rolling Stones record, which is great. Of course, yeah. obviously, we have to do a Rolling Stones record at some point. But you picked an unusual one. Yeah. Picked, what's the record you picked? Uh, Tattoo You. That's right. And, um, yeah, when Barry called me up and said, hey, do you want to do a record? Think of one to pick. And, um, you know, I mulled through a few things, and I don't know, Tattoo You just struck me. Um, it's like, I think a lot of people have their Stones record, you know, that came along at a certain, well, Stones fans anyway, that came along at a certain time in their lives. And, you know, Tattoo You was that, was, for me, it was that one. I oh, okay, okay. When, when did it come out? Like, 80, 81, right? 81, yeah. 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 So I mean, that made, hit me in a prime spot, you know, in the context of my own uh, musical development, whatever. And, and you were still in Tampa. Um, you were in Tampa at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in Tampa, suburban Tampa kid. I was, what, 14 then? Yeah, okay. Um, and, yeah. So it kind of helped, I don't know, maybe some of this is in retrospect, but I... Looking back, I like to think that it helped get me out of Rush and into other. <laughs> well, you know what? Any band yeah, that gets yeah. you out of Rush is, yeah, is okay you know, in my book. I had the, that was the Clash for me. Did that for me, but yeah, or Cheap Trick, awesome. I guess. Yeah, you know. I know some guys in their forty; they yeah. still haven't gotten out of. The, and, you know what? I'm a, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I know that's, you're a Rush. Barry's a Rush fan. Yeah, I think they're okay. Uh-oh. I don't think that I don't think that they're the um, the pariah that like certain like being a Nuge fan. <laughs> I'm not a rush hate. I'm not a rush hater. I don't know. There's something inherently. There's something uncool about. Rush well, that's still, yeah. Which that's is probably true. not fair. Yeah, but that's but it's yeah. True. It's a thing. It's just the way it is. Yeah, there's a lot. Life's yeah, not fair. The stones of like tattoo you for me were like when I, it's kind of more a metaphoric move away from rush, right? Like uh, yeah, right. something really, really organic and um, and emotional in that sort of bluesy and. Uh, uh, I hate the word, but rootsy way, if you will. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like organic and kind of swinging. Like now, I'm, you know, as I mentioned to Barry, you know, I listen to like tons of jazz now, you know, and the tones, I come back to them still and enjoy it, you know, every time. Any album, really. Yeah, but yeah. this, so was, so was Tattoo You really the first like Stones album you owned and, and listened to? 
No, I, before that, we had a cassette of Hot Rocks, you know, the compilation, which is a really good compilation. Right, right. I still have the set around somewhere, but I had that. But I think it's the first, probably, like, Fullstone studio album I got, yeah. Oh, okay. And, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest that I always thought the last, I mean, the last great record for me was some girls yeah and i didn't i i wasn't a fan of it. emotional rescue came after some girls i wasn't really a fan of that but i never really dug paid into or listened to it. paid attention to tattoo and of course this week now i've been listening to it and it is <laughs> actually a really, a really good, good record, record. Yeah. it really is yeah yeah awesome yeah and i was surprised and it's not but it's almost like it's it, it, it's almost unfair that it's a good record because obviously it's taken from a lot of outtakes oh from the 70s. Yeah, when yeah, obviously, yeah. so it's like it's almost like stacking the deck with you know, oh, okay, this yeah, well, is stuff. right. A lot of stuff was taken from when they were more in their prime, I would say. Yeah, and they um, maybe so. They, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's- <laughs> but but it, it, it actually the whole thing holds up as a record though it does, which it really shouldn't on paper. <laughs> If you yeah. look on paper, because basically what I was reading was they basically put the record together because they had this massive tour coming. And they had nothing, no they, new and they material. they wanted to have some material to tour, so they said, well, let's put a record yeah, together. Yeah, and I guess Keith wasn't at that point contributing really much in the way of, you know, he uh, of uh, create, creative songwriting right. input. Right, right, yeah, so right. They just kinda... you, can hear the, you can hear those old, like, you know, older phases in this record i think but they kind of put it together and now it's just like well the whole thing i love the rock fate rock uh side one and the yeah hello side right two. right, right. Uh, and, yeah and like i said from beginning to end it really does hold up it as, does as a good, solid, and i'm, uh, I'm gonna record. actually say uh that it's one of my favorite records to listen to over and over that we've done, which I did not expect. Um, Me neither. That's true. I, and I, you know, I'll put it on. I'll be like, oh, you know, listen to that yeah. Stones record again, and it's good. It's a good record from beginning. Yeah. To end. So were you? So Steve, like, what, what, uh, what kind of music? Were, oh, so you were obviously in, into Rush. So were you more? So were, were you into like proggy, rocky type bands uh, before this? Oh. I, I could hear too. I was into more proggy stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you were into Rush. No, I was. I was just like a suburban, you know, nerd brat. You know, I love, you know, the the rock music of the day. When you're like 13, you know, I loved Rush. It rocks, and it still rocks in a way. Yep. But um, um, no, I, I wouldn't call myself a prog kid. Okay. Um, but I, I pretty soon after Rush, I got into like. Zeppelin, Who, and Stones ex- exclusively. And this okay. is the early 80s. That shit was already old then, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all did that. So it's not like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, but just through the years, the Stones have honestly been the ones that I come back to. I don't listen to the Who the, that much now as much as I absolutely <laughs> love the Who. And the Who was kind of a, also a doorway into like, uh, punk in a way yeah. discovered like a year or two later right because of constant feedback things but the Stones to me like, and this record it, it's like the music you know we can talk about the lyrics I think make us like yeah. a really clever yes. lyricist yeah. you know yeah. but you're not you're listening to the whole of the song and the music and this one really gets me with just the playing you know listening to it back before this I could like you know, I was listening close on headphones to Bill Wyman, and right. it's just really tasty groove and playing. Yeah. And it kind of got away from what lost me about what music I came 
out of, but yeah, it was it was the basic classic rock stuff, um, ACDC two that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, some heavy metal, and then, um, but at the same time, I was playing saxophone in like a school jazz band, and I was getting into jazz too. All right, you know, and like blues and shit. <laughs> of course you were. Rob does not. Rob is yeah. not a jazz fan. We we will. Ha- I'm not a jazz fan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a jazz hater, but I'm just not a fan. He's just not a fan. Yeah, I heard that. But um, I, yeah. and one other thing for this record, I'm I'm a Stones fan, but I'm more. I would say I'm more of a Who fan. I'm more of a Kinks fan. I, I appreciate the Stones, of course. But I was. Uh, but one thing um, I've always uh, I've always appreciated, and this record really uh, confirmed for me what a great drummer Charlie Watts is. Yeah. And oh, yeah. just how uh, unique, like his contribution to the overall Stones sound can't be overstated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he's got this like swing that he plays with that yeah. no other rock drummer no. of the time really had, no. right? And, it, and it, was, it, it was such a big part of their sound. Yeah. And in, in this record especially, I feel like it's really up there in the mix. And it is. Really well, it drum. seems like what my idea about what they did with this record was, okay, we had these ba- they had these basic tracks. Some from Some Girl, some from Black and Blue, some from as far back as like 70. Goat's Head Soup? Goat's Head Soup. Yeah, I think Waiting on a Friend is from Goat's Head Soup. Soup, it is. And then they took it in the studio and they added sort of an early 80s sheen to the record. And that's part of why it all holds together is because sonically it's like it, 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 it all fits together. So you're not like, oh, this sounds like from it, right, one session right. and it sounds like from another. It just sounds like the Stones in the it studio. It really does all fit together. But it is, you're right. I was going to say that because we, we talk about that a lot about rec- some records we do are really sound of their time. Yeah. And this definitely, yeah, this definitely sounds like an early 80s record, but it sounds like an early 80s Stones record because it still uh, doesn't sound like other 80s bands at the time, but it definitely sounds like the, the Stones at, at that time. Yeah. The yeah, the early 80s. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the first snare hit. The first snare hit on Start Me Up. Yeah, you know? yeah right. <laughs> it's right there. You the that. big 80s echo on the snare. Yeah. But listening close, you know, the other day, if you listen close, it's got all that wet reverb on that first snare hit. And then after that, that's just like a hook. Right, you know, right, right. That first right. one, you can almost hear it, right? Yep. After that, it's like dry, almost regular snare the rest of the song. They yep. said, but there's claps, a lot of, the, the, there's did. claps in there, and there's things yeah. that, definitely make it um of like that the production production values were changing at the time from the 70s you know more uh um the there were the 80s sounds were a little brighter things were brightening up more reverby sounding things weird guitar tones on a couple of them right like uh Oh yeah, well there's definitely well they have that flangey that definitely oh, that yeah. sound that they that they did they started maybe some girls started with that. that right. I don't know if it's oh, a he's got Keith Richards. Yeah, he's got something. that Mutron. It's a Mutron phaser. Oh, okay. And I think he goes. It's <laughs> yeah, all- <laughs> you can hear that. Yeah. All right, so let's take, let's start digging in the record since we're talking about uh, start me up. The first song in the record, start right. me up. Now you so uh, okay. Steve, this is probably the first, maybe the first thing you heard because this song I remember at the time was like all over uh, radio, all over Gigantic. rock radio. Yeah. It was huge. And and the thing yeah. about the thing about this song is I can appreciate that it's a great song, but it's one of these songs that I for me 
it's so overplayed that I almost can't listen to it. It's like, uh, I feel the same way with like, it smells like Team Spirit from Nirvana. <laughs> I can't hear it like a song anymore because I just hear like, oh God, that song. You're yeah. right. Well, Microsoft, it was Microsoft. They paid $10 million oh, right. to use it for the Windows 95 <laughs> advertising campaign. Which is why yeah. it got played over and over and over again. Um, yeah. But it is but, still a it's still a great song, and if you listen on headphones, which I did, there's some really interesting interplay oh, with the, the, guitar, guitar, exactly. the guitars. There really is. There's yeah. like like some really funky and weird stuff in there, and so yeah. uh, um, also <clears throat> at the end the uh, at the end of the song, <clears throat> you know. Instead of a grown man cry, what does he say? Oh, yeah. And first of all, I want to say only the, the Stones at that time could get away with a song being like a huge, like a number two U.S. single played all over where he says, yeah, you make a grown man cry, you make a dead man come. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they didn't edit yeah. it. As far as I know, I don't think yeah, they edited it. It's not unprecedented, though. Couldn't you hear that in some, like, scratchy blue 78 well, almost? Okay, now? well, you know where, could you know where that, that line comes from? No. Steve, do you no. know the, you know the origin of the line? It's from a er, it's from a late twenties single by uh, or seventy eight by a woman named Lucille Bogan, and the sh- song That's it's good. it's a song called it's the it's a blue version. You know what blue means? Blue means dirty version. Yeah. Of the song called "Shave yeah. 'Em Dry," and the first. Oh. <laughs> And the first, I just said that I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an incredible. I'll be. I'm gonna play it up underneath here when we when I edit the episode. But I'm gonna say the first two lines of the song for you. I got nipples on. I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got something between my legs that'll make a dead man come. And that's that's where. And the rest of the song is dirtier than that. Wow. <laughs> now let me ask. Did you find that out? Did you Google I've make a dead man come? Uh-huh. Oh, no, you just I've known about this for a while. Yeah. Just yeah, general battery knowledge. Uh, shave them dry. Shave them dry by Lucille Bogan is one of the dirtiest things yeah. ever recorded. What were you saying, Steve? I think you just wrote that, Barry. I know, right? <laughs> Barry lived that. Your balls hang down like an old bell clapper and your dick stands up like a steeple. Steve, You're, he isn't even looking at a lyric sheet. He's reading that he's reciting this from memory. Your goddamn asshole opens up like a church door and the crabs walk in like people. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first listen to it? When did you, were you exposed to I probably to this? heard this five or six years ago. Oh, yeah, so it's, if anybody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advise everyone listening to this to go, just stop listening to the podcast and go on YouTube and just Lucille Bogan, shave them dry. And you will either, you will blush. <laughs> I'm blushing here. Just you and she laughs. She starts breaking up in the song. She starts laughing because the lyrics are so funny and Incredibly well. That's rude. awesome. That 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 <laughs> makes me love the song even more now. Yeah. Um, all right. So we get into the, the second song. Song number two is "Hang Fire." That's right. And well, uh, I, I just gotta, I have to add about "Start Me Up." Um, go. Barry's absolutely right about the music, despite having heard it like five billion times right, right on right. the radio. The, the, I thought Bill Wyman in this man. Yeah. Like he's doing. You know, yeah. you know the regular guitar riff. You know whatever yep. it is B and E. You know. It's a, Open Keith Richards' basic thing, right? Right. But like what Bill is playing is like all these jumps and octaves. And now, okay, like, I have a question for you about that. It's now. Yeah. I now understand that Keith played bass on a lot of Stone songs, 
So are yeah. you sure that's Bill and not Keith Richards? Because Keith. Well, I look at Yeah, no, no. Keith only I played. Think... Uh, he only played bass on uh, on a little T. Okay, song, a little, little TNA. TNA. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, so yeah. it is Bill. All right. And I think Ron Wood played bass on one of them. Yeah. So like, there's two that aren't. But Bill Lyman's on everything else, and that you know his style is so like a slunky style. It really comes from like a tuba thing almost. You know, like an old yeah, jazz yeah. Kind you're of right. You know he was into right? Yeah. It's like plunkin'. It's fork notes. It's much more a bass than a bass guitar. Yeah. Like the other end of the spectrum is like amp whistle, right? But oh, Bill right. Lyman's like the plunky, almost like an upright thing. Yeah. What he's doing up, start me up. It's cool. You know, he's going up. And you're thinking he would follow Keith, or he's going down. That is when you're thinking he would follow Keith going up. You know, and yeah. connecting the notes. It's just another, there's more in there. Another player that plays you know? like that is Joey Spampanato of NRBQ. Has that same, yeah. and he probably learned off Stones records him. too. Yeah. Oh, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, Didn't he almost? He was almost drafted by the Stones. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. When that, when they, when yeah. Bill decided uh, to decided to make a, just chase yeah. young girls uh, right. full time, yeah. and not worry about being in a band. <laughs> so Hank, Hank Fire has has political lyrics, but it you, does. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is. Does? It's yeah. political. It's but the original does not. So the the original lyrics of the song are just typical Keith Richards talking about a woman, and that you can find that on your you know YouTube or whatever. Just do. Uh, hang fire uh, tattoo YouTube alternates. I think it's loose. It's kind of loose to say this is political. I don't know, if you I look mean... at the, uh, the, there's a whole thing he's talking about um, at the time. The um, in the sweet old country where I come from, nobody ever works. Yeah, nothing gets done. We hang fire. We hang fire. Um, um, you know, marrying money is a full time job. I don't need the aggravation. I'm a lazy slob. Songs, one of the, and then the Wikipedia. Where's the politics? The Wikipedia article is goes through and talks about the politics of 1981 England, and um, the title. I read does quote from the, the article. Title expression: Hang fire means to do nothing, to delay, wait, hold back, or hesitate. Um, it was uh, one of the one of the few times the band wrote an overtly political song, and is notable that it was never released as a single in I'm England. Not, I still don't get how is that political. I'm not getting just because Wikipedia says it's overtly political. Where's the politics? A bleak look at English society of the time. Uh. Lyrics and lament an un, unemployed working class Englishman who would rather bet the horses than try to marry into the upper class. Oh, they, oh, they didn't. I mean, you know, it's no waiting for the clampdown or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> Working for Wait, the clampdown, you, just so we're clear. You said it's one of the few that Keith political songs that Keith wrote. Is that what you said? No, no, it's, it's just one of the that they wrote. You know, it was written by Keith oh. and Mick. But originally, it, the lyrics were typical yeah. Stones lyrics, and if you you'll hear yeah. that. So, uh, uh, I actually like the the music in this song. I'm not crazy about the lyrics. I, I don't know. The whole hang fire thing just sounds lazy, kind of lazy to me. Like just saying hang fire. Yeah. Well, we but, don't we don't know that we don't have that expression. So right. Yeah. Right. But it's a good rock and roll song. It's you know, a good rock and roll song. That, I'm like it's, it's a great rock and roll song. You know what? You know. It, it, it has but, those but great. They, they did write other political songs. I've got to argue with that a little bit. I mean, Street Fighter Man. Yeah, yeah, sure. Devil, you know. yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, give me shelter. Rob's getting a phone yeah, call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, you know, uh, so yeah, they did write political songs. This one's not one of their great political songs, but it's, uh, <laughs> it has a really, it has a really cool um, uh, a guitar solo. It does. Uh, which oh yeah. I'm, I'm assuming sounds like it could be key. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it sounds like this style, I, I guess, that little yeah. plunky uh, right. guitar thing. And ironically, we were just yeah. talking about Bill Wyman. This is the one song where he doesn't play bass. It's actually Ron Wood playing bass in this song. But it's kind of like more of a chugging, just oh, yeah. regular bass line in yep. this song. Yeah. But, I can I can hear the guitar solo. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's right. great. I it's love like that. a horn line. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then that's Keith. Yeah, that's definitely Keith. Um, all right, so we get to the third song is "Slave," and uh, this is the one. Oh, that, I'm sorry. I love this song. Oh, okay, yeah, you were yeah, just okay. explaining <laughs> your love of "Slave." All right, all right, well, good. This is originally one of the ones that was from the Black and Blue session from uh, '74, '1974. Oh, right. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I can believe that. When they're really going for like the, the funk thing, kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the famous saxophone player, uh, uh, Sonny Rollins. <laughs> I know. Someone called me out because I didn't know Sonny Rollins. That's all right. You're, you're forgetting. But he's a really oh, good. Sa- yeah, he's, he's a really incredible. good sax player. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently there was oh some my skepticism I, about I having him. I have a whole him. thing prepared. I have a whole thing I've thought about with Sonny and this record. He plays on three of them, right? Right. Right. right, right. And waiting on a film, of course. Right. And the one about sax neighbors, right? But. You know, all props to, what was his name, um, Bobby Keys, right? The oh, yeah. normal guy they had. Yeah, right. But, I mean, the sax playing on this record is just, it, it is like Sonny Rollins to Bobby Keys. It's just like worlds above it. Like, it is, it is amazing, yeah. Solos, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he like you know, elevates, well, really, whatever song he plays on, he like elevates it. Like that's you, it, the, yeah. The sax parts stand out. Like, yeah. it's great. Well, he's, at the, he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. You can sing the solo to, like, uh, well, I know the Slave one. I don't know why that so- song isn't more famous, but, I mean, Waiting on a Friend, you can easily remember. And oh, sing yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 You know? You're right. It's a it's a it's a it's a melodic. Well, I mean, okay. Sonny Rollins is in the same category as John Coltrane, as far as it'd be like he's he was one of the innovators, a jazz innovator. The fact that he's still alive, I think Sonny's still alive. Uh, and that some of the yeah. some of you know sometimes it's really easy to be famous once if you die, and so jazz guys who stay alive a long time, they just um, they get they don't they, 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 you don't get in the pantheon quite as elevated because basically because you didn't expire. And did you guys notice uh, who was singing uh, backups on this? Uh, or notice? Did you did you read who was singing? Backups on this track, Mr. Pete. No, Mr. Pete Townsend oh, right. yeah, sings yeah. backup. Oh, yeah. And I and I I want to bring Pete Townsend up, mainly so I could also bring up the fact that uh, that the Who when they uh, the Who played at the Stones uh, Rock and Roll Circus when oh, they did yeah. that Rock and Roll Circus, right. the concert event oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in '68, and the Who played. Uh, a quick one while he's away, and the who blew, blew, blew the stones away so bad that they, they put it in the, the can and they didn't release it to like 1996. Right. Oh, and then the only the who's part came out on the kids are right. That's where everyone saw it. You went yeah, saw yeah. this movie, <laughs> and there's this performance of a quick one, and you're like, holy shit! Right. What the hell was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you re- and then you read the story yeah. of oh, the stones. That well, it was at the end of the Brian Jones era. Yes. Brian's yeah, yeah. just standing there like playing a chord and he looks or sitting of, some part yeah. of it he's sitting he's, he's not just even standing totally out of it <laughs> yeah and so and then there's a version of Jethro Tull with Tony Iommi from oh, Black yes. Sabbath <laughs> and they're lip syncing song for Jeffrey so it's really weird and so the it's who, weird. The, who weird. the who comes out and just 
Yeah, yeah. Probably one of the best live, best recorded rock and roll you performances. Still, I watch it and I go, how are they doing this? I know. Right? It's like yeah, that's it's four guys things. doing that, all that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Slave is a really cool, uh, it's a really cool tune. And um, um, yeah. Not a, I mean, I think l- lyrically he says, I don't, like, what does he say other than I don't want to be your slave? There's right, just, right. That's basically it. And, and, and I'm surprised, actually, I like it as much as I do because it's really a jammy. It's, a it's, it's, it's a kind of a jammy groove song, but it's really good. It's yeah. like it's done, it's done yeah. as good as it's, you can to do. To me, that riff like is up there. That riff is up there with, like, Can You Hear Me Knocking and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And actually, I was. Over that. Yeah, you're abs- I was going to say drums, that's it, what this reminds me of. The drums are just out of this world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just got such such a great groove. And that's something the Stones, like, just could do. Just rolls just rolls off their back like a duck. They just, you know. So uh, we're going to take a break. We take a break halfway through the podcast. We're going to refresh our drinks. And we'll be back very shortly. Yeah, don't hang up, Steve. Yeah, don't hang up, Steve. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back talking more with uh, Steve Grossman Grossman about about, uh, Tattoo You, Rolling Stones. We'll be back in a minute. All right. Is This Tomorrow started out as a comic that ran in the Tallahassee, Florida college paper, the Florida Flambeau, in 1991. After running a number of strips, the editor became infuriated with the content of the strip, finding it inappropriate for the readers of a college paper. After a strip about a bachelor party where Bonnie Rubble was killed after an argument with a pimp, ITT was no more. Luckily, many of these early strips that survived are available on the isthistomorrow.com website in the archives. In the past 15 years, Is This Tomorrow has appeared weekly, though the format has changed. The current strips are in full color and focus on current events and the absurdity of modern life. Many of the strips in the archive cover genres such as science fiction, satire, horror, biography, humor, and true crime. ITT has no paywalls and no fees required to enjoy. So make ITT the second window open on your computer at work that you minimize when your box walks up to your cubicle. IsThisTomorrow.com and for associated merchandise, Society6.com forward slash IsThisTomorrow. All right. All right. So we're back. I have, I've been recording all this. I'll edit out some of it. So <laughs> we always need filler. What a sneak. Yeah, sneaky, sneaky. I got some shit about with Rat Bastard talking about his. Did you anybody listen to the end of the podcast? After the end, yes, <laughs> you, Rob heard it. Our previous guest, I had him jabbering about how he was giving instructions to the air traffic controllers yes. or some, you know, riveting. It was riveting. <laughs> I, I, I looked him up. Um, so he's like a local character, right? Or she? Well, no, rats world, rats worldwide. <laughs> yeah, sir. No. Yeah. He, he is. Uh, he is uh, got his. He's own. local to us, but we share him with the world. We do. He's a character. Yeah. He's he's quite the character. If you yeah. ever if you ever make it down here, we'll definitely bring you over to his studio and yes. introduce yeah. you, and he'll tell you how Whiskey Town sucked, and you guys stole your music from the dog right. faced. That's Hermans pretty much or right. Like that. He tells you you're an idiot, but <laughs> in a way, <laughs> the dog faced Hermans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. But in a charming, but he'll do maybe it so. in a charming way where you where you won't be insulted. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, speaking of, are we on the record? Or are we off the record now. We're on. We're, we're, well, you can say what you know. What we're on the podcast. We haven't gotten in trouble for anything yet. He says, "Knocking wood." Yeah. Well, you edit out. No, this shit is personal. I'll, I'll talk about it when we're done. Uh, ah, okay. All right. Okay. And then Barry will secretly record it. <laughs> nah, and insert it anyway. I'm not gonna. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's get. We're not gonna we're, route anybody. We're up know. to uh, song number. We're still we're still on the rock and roll side of the record, and we're up to song number four. Yeah. 
which is the Keats song, Little, little TNA. Little TNA. Which yeah. also referred to as She's My Little Rock and Roll is also another way that... Yeah, because he, he never actually says little TNA. He says uh, my tits and ass. Tits and so ass. So that's, you know... Is that yeah. what that, wait, is that what that means? So, yeah. <laughs> so he just call, he ends up just calling her his tits and ass. That's it, yeah. <laughs> this song, by the way, yeah, this song well, is extremely un-PC and, and would not fly from and, a yeah, major totally, band. No. Well, it follows right along with the Stones since what? Stupid Girl or something, right. Exactly. Unfortunately, but it's also like you know, it's music for like fourteen-year-old boys. Yeah, you know, or that's where you could say that about rock and roll almost in general too. To some extent, you know, then it blew blew out into other things. But I mean, at the core, uh, it's it's not as fast ACDC. No, that's true. Well, yeah, because there's a little more breath in the Stones lyrics to them. ACDC, it's like, or I have to say another band where you go, that's a problem, is ZZ Top. You're never going to do a deep lyrical analysis of ZZ Top because it's like, oh, it's another song yeah, about. It's not the point yeah, of it, though. It's not what they're it's, going for. True. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. But, yeah. Um, but this still is a great song, and I love Keith. I, I just love the way Keith sings, like his offhand. He's got such such a swagger. I mean, the whole thing about the Stones is their swagger, but true. Keith's like the king of swagger, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, just the way he sings, uh, just like throws off the words, and it's just so cool. It's just, it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah, and he's musical, you know, when he sings. You know, I didn't appreciate that before. Maybe I saw his that documentary yeah. a few years ago, and when you hear him sing, sing some country songs, you kind of it comes to the fore, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, they're one thing in concert, right? Keith or Mick to that end in concert are one thing. They're kind of yelping, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, keep me happy, keep me happy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're sing, right. You're you right. Know, <laughs> you know, on a record, he can really sing. Right. Um, like he he says, I'll tell you one thing about Little TNA. Um, yeah. I remember my dad, like me and my brother would play this on a cassette, you know, the square rectangular cassette player in the back of the car. And I remember my dad catching onto this melody and singing just like, she's a rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and he's definitely, he's definitely like pre-rock and roll generation. He's older. Right. Well, <laughs> it was he's, cool. He's, he's, he's probably the same age as Keith. Yeah, right. And uh, no, my dad's not ninety-eight. Did your dad ever snort his own father's ashes after he was cremated? Well, Keith's Keith's gonna. I have news for you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna guess there's a no. Yeah, that's a no. Do you have kids? Uh, Do you have kids, Steve? Yeah, I've got yeah. two kids, 17 and 15. Keith's going to outlive your kids. I hate yeah. to break this to you, but yeah, yeah he's yeah. going to outlive everyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's never done. I know. Uh, he's wrote but one he, thing. Lil T&A was from him. Go ahead, go ahead. But. I was just going to say, he's quoted about the song. He's quoted as saying, it's about every good time I've had with somebody I'd met for a night or two and never seen again. Oh, uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, they're not they're not romantics. The Stones, as uh, you know, there's not a not so much. Not no, so much, no. They can be. I think they can be. It depends on the tune. I, I guess. I think they can pretend yeah. to be. Right, right. Which we're gonna get to. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to that. Actually. Yeah, side two. Side two is pretty. Uh, you know, lovers rock in a way. Yeah, in a way. All right. Anything else yeah. on little? Anything else you got on little TNA? 
not. It's from emotional rescue rescue sessions. I guess. Right. That's oh yeah, right. that's Another right. Older. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But a really good song. Well, I mean, I definitely a, a great Keith song. Yeah. I think. Um, it's actually used better than emotional rescue. Let's just say that now. It is. <laughs> oh yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. That's why. But I said I. Yeah. I I kind of gave up. I pretty much gave up on the. I think a lot of people did with emotional rescue. So I never even, like I said, I never even delved into. Uh, I think that's the problem with this record. If this had come out before emotional rescue, it would be a lot more well known than it is. Probably. But emotional rescue yeah. was kind of like, uh, okay, they're they're down again. Just ignore them for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So but we that got, came under. So we get the fifth song is Black Limousine. And uh, this song, did you guys see that this song is based on a song by uh, Jimmy Reed, by blues musician Jimmy uh, Reed called You Don't Have to Go? Yeah. It sounds like a Jimmy it's Reed song. Kind of, yeah, it, it sounds, yeah, if you listen to Jimmy it's Reed, of, it's like, oh yeah, now it makes total, the, the harmonica playing and everything sounds like Jimmy Reed. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm it's glad a, you it's know. A, it, I, that's, why, that's why me and Barry compliment each other, because I have no, I never heard of Jimmy Reed. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come up with that. I didn't know of that tidbit, but it totally makes sense, because okay. it sounds like uh, I can hear Jimmy Reed singing it. Um, it's a straight up blues number. Yeah, I mean it's just like yeah. we used to ride around in a black limousine. You take it from there. There's no no surprises mm-hmm. lyrically. And it's also one of two songs uh, that Ron Wood on this record. Ron Wood gets a co-writing credit credit, I guess, because of some riff. He or, said he had to fight for it because Keith and Mick are thieves. They're fucking thieves. Yeah, they didn't credit a lot of people. Like Mick Taylor Mick played Taylor. on this record, and oh he was my not god, credited. Mick Taylor. Put, wrote a bunch of shit and they're like oh Jagger Richards Uh, and so he finally I guess he got some compensation let's just cut let's just go ahead and get this out and open the the Rolling Stones are bastards they are total 100% fucking bastards I'm on board so with that. Ask the Verve. Ask the Verve. Bittersweet that. Symphony, one of the greatest pop songs. And the, guess who gets 100% of the publishing from Bittersweet Symphony? Real, what? 100%. Oh, said, wow, because they got great lawyers, right? They probably have the best Alan lawyers. Klein's yeah. lawyer said, oh, you used, you used too much of the sample. It's a sample of the orchestral... Uh, um, uh, Rolling Stones of um, what song? I didn't even know that. Uh, da, da, I did da. not even know that. Yeah. The last time. It's the orchestral version of The Last Time. Oh, right, 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 right. And so they cleared it with the Stones. Yeah, we want to use this sample for our song. Yeah. Sure, go ahead. And yeah. then Bittersweet Symphony <laughs> climbs to number one, and Alan Klein says, Oh, you used too much of the sample. And they went to court and they got the Rolling Stones get 100% of the publishing. And it, the verb, it pretty much just, you know, I mean, it was. To be fair, Keith's heroin addict was probably very pricey at that point. So oh they probably God. needed the money. Yeah. Um, I just want to oh, say, yeah. we haven't talked right. about lyrics much, but I want to, there's the lyrics in this song. He says, we used to ride, baby, ride around in limousines. We look so fine, baby. You in white, me in green. Drinking and dancing, all inside our crazy dream. Well, now, look at your face now, baby. Uh, look at you and look at me. Now, do you think he's... I think this is Mick talking about Keith. <laughs> oh, could be. Uh, could yeah. be. Yeah, because, yeah. You're all the same. You never speak. You are wrecked out now. Yeah. Washed up high on the beach. Well, now, look at your oh. face now, baby. I think he's talking about Keith in this song. You know how? You know what Keith refers to Mick Jagger's Mick Jagger as his nickname? What is it? Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> 
calls him yeah, Brandon. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it. Uh, Rob, I like it better if I think that Mick's talking about Keith and just putting down some pulling again, you know? Right, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it makes it much cooler. Definitely. But it sounds, again, it sounds so good. It you does, know? Like, it does. Try it this really r- does. record on, on, it's just their blues number, and every record has one or two, right? Yeah. Right. But just try it on headphones, the recording, and also this is like the last gasps of real great analog recording, right? I don't know if Undercover was maybe partially digital. It sounds like yeah, it, it was. Could be, but, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? This is like that, this is the height of analog, you know, right. the big tape and just right. the technology was the very best. And the original tracks were older, right? So, 78. Yeah, 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 some girls. Yeah, it, it's organic sounding and it's, it's on headphones. Sounds great. It is, crunch. you're right. It is because that that's a, right. That's another thing yeah. that's great about this record is that it is, even though it sounds so great, it's obviously recorded great, but it's still yeah. organic, so organic sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you yeah, know, yeah. interplay, the interplay yeah, between the guitars and everything is still like so great. Yeah. So stoned. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, it's, um, it's got that 80s scene that you guys mentioned before, you know, it does have that, but it's like, it's, Good in spite of that, you it's know. Still, or oh yeah, or, yeah, no, absolutely right. There's yeah. no weird yeah. Simmons drums on it or anything, you know. And there's not too much of it. There's, it's not like undercover. I think I haven't listened to that in a long time either. But <laughs> it's got, you know I, what? I, it's got like a couple, like it's got like maybe three good songs on it yeah. and a lot of filler on it. It's got some interesting stuff on it, but yeah, it, it's overall, yeah. it's it's not a good record though. It's not. Yeah. All I right. remember one called Pretty Beat, Pretty Beat Up that was good on that, but that's about it. I don't know. <laughs> Neighbors. Right. Yeah, yeah, the, the last, Neighbors. The last song, the rock song, uh, the last song, side one, Neighbors. And uh, this is this is one of only two songs on the record that did not come from an outtake. This is uh, this is like a song that they actually, like a new song that they did for the well, record. Well, it says, well, now the Wikipedia entry says it's a leftover from Emotional Rescue. Really? Being worked wow. on further... Uh, let's see. Recorded, okay. Recorded October. Okay, it was first recorded for this album. So, yeah, for this album. Yeah, but yeah, they had yeah. already been pe- Wikipedia, screwing don't around. Don't be with such a slave to Wikipedia, Barry. Yeah, they're not right about everything. Yeah, I think they're right about this one. <laughs> Jagger was inspired by Richard's own run-ins with his neighbors after the guitar yes. <laughs> was evicted from his New York City apartment after complaints that he was playing music too can, loudly. Can, can, can you guys imagine living next door to Keith no, Richards? <laughs> no, I wouldn't want that. Unless he invited me over all the time to hang out. Not, not really. Right. I wrote some notes, and my first note is like, snare sounds dated. Uh, slash can't fault them too much. <laughs> yeah, 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 because, right, it's it was like the 80s. Times. It was the 80s. Yeah. And it says there's a video, it says there's a video, it says there's a video for this. I oh, do yeah. not recall ever seeing oh, the yeah. video. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I saw it. They have, like, an apartment building. Right. You know what I mean? Like, people singing in windows or something. Literal, uh, very literal, like a, yeah, a right. literal video. They're not going to, the right, they're not going to go for the metaphorical shit at all, the no. stones. It's like. But, that was, but honestly, that was when videos were cool, when, like, true. It was just the band, true. like, punching yeah. each other in the face and stuff. That's you know? it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. My so, favorite, my favorite. Yeah, I got to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. Okay. I'll go. The sax solo, right? That first, you have to, when you overdub this, Barry, you have to put in that first lick of the sax solo. You can sing it, you know? Well, and I'll, like, he okay. does this line. Yeah, the, just the first phrase of the sax solo. There's like a line going down that's got a note or two in it that it's just like, again, like a, a, a universe beyond Bobby Keys. It's great. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, so Bobby, Keys, Bobby Keys is an R&B sax player. 
and Sonny, yeah, and it, Sonny Rollins was genius. Yeah, yeah this sax solo here yeah. is, is made, like, it elevates the song so on an, much. On a related really note, at work today, I was I, I work in a, with this guy in an apartment in Fort, downtown Fort Lauderdale doing the most bizarre job you can imagine on a computer. But, and, yeah. um, it does not, it does not involve pornography in any way. I was way. just going to say, no, it's not that live sex no, thing, is it? No, okay, good. It involves, it involves not doing that anymore. all the road signs you see on the highway in the United States. And that's, that's what we do is okay, we design nice. those. So, <laughs> yeah, it's done in a f- apartment in Fort Lauderdale. Um, the specifications for it are done in an apartment in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> so anyway, he plays music all day. During that one font all the time, then right? Yeah. We, it, well, there's there's <laughs> yeah. the fonts. There's B, C, D, E, and there's you know that's what they're called. Um, anyway, he's playing this Eurythmic song today, and there's this harmonica uh, solo on it, and he goes, "That's Stevie Wonder, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's got to be Stevie Wonder." Because nobody else yeah. plays harmonica like oh, that. Right, you're right, like, right. you're like, oh yeah. There's no other harmonica player like that. Right, it's it's right, Stevie right. Wonder. It's 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 as distinctive as everything else he does. Yeah. You know. So yeah, yeah it's like Sonny Rollins. Like, oh, there you go. You know. And uh, you know. Yeah. So uh, off we go. Wait, wait. But one more thing about neighbors before we get uh, before we move on. I I just love the fact that there's not many lyrics, but he goes neighbors. Have I got neighbors? He keeps saying, "Have I got neighbors?" with a question mark. I love the implication that Keith doesn't even know if he has oh, neighbors right. or no. not. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have I got neighbors? Yeah. Yeah. All I right. Mean, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. So now side we're into two. side two. Now we're into the yeah the uh, the ballad. Not not all ballads, but definitely the softer side of the record. And uh, God, I love worried, too. I worried love about it. yeah, it's got some really good songs on there. It really does. And uh, worried about you is the first one, and it's got Mick doing his mm-hmm. falsetto, the patented Mick Jagger falsetto, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty great. Yeah. It, it's you know? good. It's good. It's not Prince falsetto, but it's Mick. But it's like Mick definitely has his own. It's it's much like you said. Um, Stevie Wonder, you know it's yeah, him. Right. Like, you yeah, know yeah, it's there's Mick Jagger singing yeah. falsetto, yeah. And you don't go, yeah. you don't go, he's convincing. He's So some people do falsetto, and you go, he can't really do that. He shouldn't be doing that. No, yeah, right. No, no, Keith, I mean, right. uh, Mick, yeah, definitely has, uh, should be doing it. And uh, th- this song really grew on me, too, because as I kept listening to the record more and more, this oh, yeah. song definitely grew on me, and it's got that really great stonesy, Mint tempo late night vibe. <laughs> and this was recorded December yeah. from December to January and February 1974 75. Oh, okay, okay. So it's uh, it's uh, an old one. And I, yeah. I'm guessing the vocal is from then too. So it's been, you know, it's, it's really, the uh, song was six years old by the time they released it. Um, I wonder. I think he overdubbed. I don't know about this particular song, but he overdubbed a lot of the vocals, like on these older tracks. Oh, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, went I back and redid the vocals. I think he did. Yeah. Well, there I is. Think a, that was yeah. kind of the, the project here. That was kind of the project here, right? Like, didn't one of the recording engineers convince them you've got all these good old tracks? Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, yeah. "What?" And they probably didn't remember half of them that they yeah. even did them. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. The engineer brought it out. And uh, one thing I love about this song is the line, um, 
sure, sure, going to find myself a girl someday. Till then, I'm worried. Does anyone really think Mick Jagger's worried about finding a yeah, girl? I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, no. I think Mick. I think you, you're going to find an, a, yeah. a girl, no problem. Yeah. He's uh, still like singing satisfaction in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Way after the fact. It's a little. Uh, so, but, uh, and the solo, the song's guitar point. solo is played by who? I'm worried about you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Wayne, per- Wayne Perkins. Wayne Perkins, an yeah. er- early contender for the lead guitarist spot after oh, Mick Taylor. They were trying because they were trying, trying out different out. guitar yeah, yeah. players. Ry Cooter got tried yeah. out. You know. Can you now, imagine, turn- can you imagine guys- turning down Ry Cooter and being like, "Yeah, yeah. yes." Yeah. <laughs> I guess the Stones. Supposedly, they also almost got Chuggy uh, Otis. You know that? Uh, oh my God! Wow! Strawberry fun. Letter. Yeah. Strawberry Letter Twenty Three. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know I'm that? Not familiar. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, his dad was Johnny yeah. Otis, and Shuggy Otis was his son, put out this incredible yeah. solo record. I mean, it's like, that solo record is insanely good. And it's got the it's original. It's like Stevie Wonder, in a way. Like, he plays, like, most of the instruments. It's early, like, with a drum, with a dr- like right, with a drum yeah. machine. And um, yeah. the, the original so- version of Strawberry Letter 23 is on there. And, uh, so we got um, we got number eight song is Tops, and uh, this song the the backing tracks for this song were cut in 1972 during the Goat's Head Soup session. <laughs> yeah. So this one goes way, way back. back. And uh, this has got Mick Taylor on it, definitely not Ron yes. Wood. This has Mick Taylor on guitar here, who oh, not credited. Yeah, yeah, again, not, not credited. credited. And he had a fight later, demanded to to get a yeah, share right. of the royalties. He's like, hey, I'm on this. This is me. So yeah, those that guys yeah. really are bastards. They're man. bastards. They're the Tones Stones. They, they'll, you know, I remember Keith Richards. The thing about the verb, he was like, "Oh, that's a, that's an Alan Klein deal. You have to ask him." I'm like, "Fuck you, buddy. Right. You guys are making money off this band in in a very and you know, the Stones also hijacked blues riffs and songs from like you think Lucille Bogan is credited, <laughs> right? So you know. Poor dirty Lucille. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She also yeah, wrote... stealing it. Yeah. yeah. So, when so is it just the, the influence thing or, you know, cultural appropriation, whatever, but... So, so Steve... They made something out of it. Steve, yeah. ne- like, now you appreciate this side of the record, but did you even back then, when you got... When you were a 14-year-old boy, did you appreciate these this second side of the record, which is more, you know, not the, the, no, the rocker stuff? not as much. Not as much, right? Not as yeah, much, I figured, but, I figured. but I listened to it. But I right. listened to it, and I really did come to, you know... It didn't take long, I don't think. Like, right. This, like, tops... Or the next one, Heaven, is so freaking weird. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love heaven, that song. Yeah, let's like, talk about Heaven. It is weird. It is weird, but it's great. It, it is, is great. Because it, yeah. it, it's the most modern, and this is the other song that was original. You know that that wasn't taken from an old thing. It was like yep. a newer thing, and it definitely has yeah. a different sound feel than the rest of the record. But it still fits in good with the record itself. And Keith Richards, it's all it, not on it. Yeah, Keith Richards doesn't even play on this. And uh, oh, he doesn't. Who's playing guitar? Bill Wyman is playing, playing and, guitar. And Mick. And Mick. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Mick Jagger and, and Bill Wyman. Yeah, play. Because this and is Ron kind of like not on it either. Yeah, this is like Mick's thing. This is uh, this is. I, I guess I can see Keith saying he didn't want to play on this one, like yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's a it psychedelic. Cool. It's, it's like all mood. Yeah, it's yeah. got kind of a psychedelic thing, and it's it could be about the about heaven like an existential heaven thing but I think it's more like a sex thing yeah of course right yeah it's like smell of your body smell yeah. of your body my senses depraved over and over you know right <laughs> it's like a very it's like a very white song you know you know what he's but talking he, about 
Yeah, what was yeah, Barry White talking about? Barry. Yeah. When you're a teenager and you're listening to this, though, you know, it's like, this is weird. You know, it's kind of like yeah, yeah, the first time you know, first time you get, you know, see the stones, or I'm talking about my own, you know, generation, age, whatever. Right. You know, they're on MTV and they're like, they're all drunk looking, right? And they're yeah. just all over the place. <laughs> right. You know, they're, yeah. they're falling on top of each other Smoking. and they might even like lick each other. Yeah. Right. They might even lick each other. And you're like, you're like 13, you're like, Oh God, are they gay? You know, right. <laughs> it's, just, right. it's just weird, and it's the you know the whole vibe right. of just and it, it goes with how they play the guitars, right? Yes. They're just all over each other. Yes, without yes. discipline, you know. But ultimately, all together, you know, you know, it's that swagger. Thing. It's that whole stone yeah. swagger thing, man. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's all over this record too. It is. I it wanted is. to say one back up one. Wait a minute. Back up to what was right before this. Good, good. Um, tops, tops. Make for the lyrics on tops. He's playing like the bad guy. Oh yeah. Character. You know oh right, I mean? right, 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 right. It's a, it's another one of his like playing the devil persona. Right. Uh, protagonist in the song. I'll know? make like you a star. Yeah. yeah. I'll take you a million yeah, miles from all like, this. Right. Yeah, he's basically just kind of talking to a girl, right? Oh yeah. The, the chorus of is kind of. The chorus is kind of a warning, too. It's weird. It kind of flips into another voice. But right, right, right. It's, it's clever, you know? He's playing playing that character. It is. It's cool. Yeah. And we get uh, All right, no use in... Uh, no, yeah, no, no problem. Fine. We got No Use in Crying, yeah. which was uh, no from the crying. record. It was recorded during the em- yeah. emotional rescue sessions. Right. And this is another song that Ron Wood gets a uh, co-writing credit on. Again, probably because of uh, guitar. I think the guitar stuff is really... He probably had to threaten them with a knife. Like, hold him a knife point in the studio <laughs> kitchen. But this song, No Use in Crying, also has those uh, guitar, that sound. That, what, oh, what do you yeah. say? That, that phaser. The, the phasery. Yeah, yeah that, it's got that sound. It's the, it's, that's, you know, that was the sound of the time. I mean... Andy Summers, the police, you know, that chorus guitar sound. Oh, yeah. That was like, yeah. it was everywhere. Alex Lifeson from Rush had it. Every, you know, yeah. ev- everybody had a, had a an MXR stereo chorus. That was the thing, you know? It used a lot. It was. Oh, John McGee from uh, Susie and the Banshees, you know, everybody had that sound. Yeah. So this one, yeah. in, in this one, the lyrics, no use in crying, Mick, Mick, uh, Lost another, uh, lost another girl, but he's not crying because he know because he's moving on, right? Of course, shocker. When, yeah. was, when was the Bianca thing? What was what what vintage was that? When he and Bianca were seventies. That's the 70s. was that still was that seventies? Yeah, yeah, that was seventies. This is already Jerry Hall. This is yeah. Jerry Hall, right? Yeah. Which speaking of Jerry Hall, it's blues lyrics. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, no, you said right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. Standing at the is. station, anytime there's a train station involved, <laughs> you're gazing down at the yeah. gazing down the track. Right. There ain't no train coming, baby. I ain't never, never coming and never, back. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a great country R and B feel, you know? Yep. This one. Maybe it does. Crying. It does. It does. It's, no, you're it's like crying. a really well played. So this is definitely so yeah. so Steve, I imagine like listen to this record, it probably just exposed you to a lot of different musical genres that maybe you hadn't been yeah, as a fourteen year old. Well yeah, and as a fourteen year old rush fan. Well you don't figure it out until later. <laughs> like can you get old yeah. enough to actually listen to blues music or R and B and be like, Oh, they stole that's where <laughs> that's where they got that. You know, they didn't come up with this shit on their own. They were not innovators yeah. in, in any way. But they were great magpies, you know, they picked they stuff were. up and they were. this is also the flip side of start me up 
which is uh oh really was yeah. it yeah oh, okay yeah odd choice for the flip you would think they'd put another up tempo tune on the flip but right. i guess you know all right, so we get to the final song on the record, which is Waiting yeah. on a Friend, which is an, the oldest. An, another the oldest. song from Goat's Head Soup. Yeah, 1972. Yeah, it's Mick, Mick Taylor's on this, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, he's got to be. Yeah, even though yeah. he's not credited yet, you yeah. could hear him on this. Now, now, Steve, you remember this This video was all over MTV oh, yeah. at the time in 1980. It's actually yeah. a great video. Yeah. It is a great yeah, video. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just basically like wandering around. The door. But now let me ask you this. Obviously, there's been there's speculation that uh, obviously the song seems like it's just someone he's singing about the friendship, about how you know the value of friendship over woman relationships. But is it could be an updated waiting for the man? Like, oh, like, yeah, as you in, know, I wondered uh, about no, that. Officer, no, officer, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting, waiting on a friend. friend. Oh, yeah, I'm not one trying to be a lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think oh, it, right. it, it could be a little uh, above the same. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think you're waiting on my waiting on the friend. Yeah. I, $36 yeah. in my hand. And this is another one Up that to was Lexington, played. One, two, five. That was Feel played. sick and dirty, more dead than alive. <laughs> yeah. No, officer, I'm just waiting. On All right, now, so this is another one that was played so much, this video, but it's still a really good song. And, uh, oh, yeah, it And is. the, it the is. video was really good. And the video was directed by Michael Lindsay Hogg, who is the guy that did the Rock and Roll Circus thing, too. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Did not know and, that. Oh, wow. Uh, Peter Tosh, that's Peter Tosh, is is uh, one of the Rasta guys sitting on the soup with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with Mick Jagger. Is Peter Tosh. I knew that yeah. somehow, yeah. Right. And they hung out with Peter Tosh a lot. Or it, was, did. it was filmed in New York City, and the building that they're standing, that he's waiting for Keith in front of, is the one that's on the cover of Led Zeppelin's physical uh, graffiti. graffiti yeah yeah, yeah the yep thing. so it's got a lot of rock and roll same... i'm sorry go ahead how did that same building get in like two things like that i know right <laughs> right well new york i've uh, always assumed in new york city yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. been torn down it's probably a, a starbucks yeah. now with a you know <laughs> but this I, I, an h&m next door on top of it or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's slowing it uh, the the words of this the words of this are cool. I I I appreciate when older rockers sort of write uh, their age. They write to their age, and uh, where he says, uh, "Yeah, yeah." Were they love. older rockers at the time? Yeah. What they are were. they yeah. now? Make it well now. They're yeah. They're like our grandpas. Uh, but he well, says, <laughs> "How old were they then? Were they in their thirties when this came out? Let's say yeah, I know they were younger when they late thirties, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. So they were." It's 37, 37 years ago, that record. But he says, and the, the one yeah. line, he says, making love and breaking hearts, it is a game for youth. But I'm not waiting on a lady. I'm just waiting on a friend. So it's like he's saying so making love and talking to Mick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a game for youth, though, the making love and breaking hearts. Although I'm sure they still made a lot of love and broke a lot of hearts after this record came out. Still, so the, the, quote, the, quote about, the quote about working with Sonny Rollins uh, I had a lot of trepidation about working with Sonny Rollins. The guy's a giant at the saxophone. Who is this? Char- Charlie Watts. Okay. Who's an actual jazz yes. player and so forth. <laughs> He's never going to want to play on a Rolling Stones record, I said. Yes, he is going to want. I said, uh, uh, Charlie said he's never going to want to play on a Rolling Stones record. I said, yes, he's going to want to. And he did, and he was wonderful. I said, would you like me to stay out there in the studio? 
He said, yeah, you tell me where you want me to play and dance the part out. So I did that. And that's very important, communication in hand, dance, whatever. You don't have to do a whole ballet, but sometimes that movement of the shoulder <laughs> This is Mick now talking tells about the, the dance. It's got to be, right? yeah. It okay. tells the guy to kick in on the beat. <laughs> Mick so, and and Sonny Rollins go, what the hell is this crazy white boy doing dancing? Yeah, I just want to sure. play my sax yeah. and get out of here. <laughs> I'm sure so, so for Sonny it was like, you know, there was a cha-ching. <laughs> it's such a great Rolling Stones, yeah. huh? Again, great solo. Yeah. Like you oh said, God. like you yeah. were saying, you Steve, a solo you could oh, sing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's no, memorable. Yeah, no. great. It's great. So Very great. memorable. And you know, a lot of like a lot of like rock and roll sax playing kind of is not good. And I tried to do it myself <laughs> a while. And it sucks, you know. Of course, I had alto, which is like for me halfway out of tune anyway. The tenor's better, but I mean, there's a few great examples of like truly great saxophone solos in rock and roll and I think Sonny on this one is one and Maybe the other ones on this record, but this one's yeah. the best. Really, the problem with all rock and roll saxophone is that um, you're competing with The Girl Can't Help It by Little Richard, which has some of the most <laughs> incredible saxophone playing. Like, the saxes on that are yeah. absolutely phenomenal. And so everything else has got to like measure up to that or it's substandard. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's all those New Orleans guys. That's uh, the New Orleans fuck, yeah. studio guys. Yeah. He recorded there. But, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Another one is uh, like uh, Rock on the Wild Side, the Barry solo. Oh, yeah. Uh, great uh, solo. You know? And yeah. Clarence Clemens sucks. What? Right. This is probably a good time to wrap things up. Well, Clarence is more like a. <laughs> he's like a Philly. He's got the Philly sound. You know, it's got a, it's got a certain thing. Um, I don't know. Let's mean. not speak ill. Like, let's not speak ill. Not. Did. I think I saw him play with. What, didn't he play with Journey for a while? Wasn't he on that? I don't know. They had a sax player you know, for a that's while. Like, that's like rock and roll sax playing, like on an eighties movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Sonny Rollins. Uh, Sonny Rollins is a different this thing. This is not. Steve Grothman yeah, talking, by the way. Thing. You you rabid uh, Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, okay. I'll backtrack there. He was perfect for the group, right? I mean, I'm not, Good I'm save. Not, I'm Good not putting save. down the group. I'm not putting down the group. He did. You're a pro. He did You're a pro, Steve. I mean, you know. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't All right. All right, man. But waiting on a friend. I mean, the groove, the percussion, right? The, the rhythm in there is just yeah. great. The lyrics are great. It I mean, is. I, it is. It's a great song. And it's, and it's, the, and it's a weird, it's the closer on the record. They yeah. stick of the last song where yeah. most people are like, oh, you know, last track, you know. Uh, no, it's a, yeah, it's, it is. It's, you know, they were brave stick that, sticking that on the end. And it's a, yeah, it's a great closer, yeah. and it's a, it is a great record. So thank you, uh, Steve, for, uh, for, for pointing out. Uh, the the Lost Stones gem. That's right. And, yeah, we would uh, not have we would not have picked this. I wouldn't sure. have, and I never would have revisited like I did. And I'm glad I did. And it really is a oh, great record. If somebody's calling on my phone. It says says it's last name Clemens, Clarence Clemens. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> He's calling from the from the afterlife. Afterlife. <laughs> afterlife. All right. Well, thanks Con- a lot. Controversy uh, is gonna <laughs> controversy is gonna get your podcast right to the top. Right? <laughs> well, Steve. Yeah. All right, Steve. Think of another record because you're definitely a return guest. So uh, um, awesome. I will. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, guys. Maybe some really cool. maybe some rush lost rush light no, record no, that no one okay. thinks was no, that no, good. No, no. Uh, okay. Oh gosh. 
All right, so real that quick. Makes me so tired. Real we got to talk about the next episode. Uh, next week, we got a fun episode. We got Mr. Joey Maya, who just wrote a book, The Drummer of South Beach. He was a drummer for The Reactions, and he played for Battalion of Saints. And uh, we're doing. Joey Maya played in Battalion of Saints? He did. Or, uh, I didn't know read that. Read his goddamn book. Cool. I don't have Drummer book of South yet. Beach. But, um, I didn't get my promo copy like you did. <laughs> no, I bought it from Amazon. Oh, okay. All right, but next week, Joey's going to be on, and we're going to be talking about the Clash. First debut, Clash record. First Clash uh, no, but do we, Are we talking about the U.S. Ver- record or the English I version? The U- I think it's going to be the U.S. So version. The, so I will Clash City Rockers. So Joey, yeah, I will Clash be confirming Oh, Joey. man. But that's man. it. Man. Right? Right? Yeah. I want to come too. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen. We'll listen. It'll you be listen. oh also yeah. I should mention our podcast is now on Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify finally. Thanks so, to the uh, efforts of Rob Elba. Yes, you can listen to us on Spotify, you can listen to it on uh, your favorite on Stitcher, on, on iTunes, SoundCloud, on iTunes. And don't forget our uh, Patreon uh, patreon.com yeah. slash patron saint of lost causes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, someone else become a patron. Don't leave poor Paul Ralph by himself. All right, that record got me high.com. You can listen to all the episodes. Once again, uh, thanks again, Steve. Thanks for being an episode. Yeah, thanks, Steve. That was once fantastic. Again, once again, that's right Barry. On. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we'll see you guys next week. We're out.